And we are back here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. We've been taking a little bit of a break, mixing in some of our other podcasts, but we go to Episode 7 of our Players Only Edition. We call it Kicking It Here. You, of course, can listen to us via the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network, via our TuneIn Radio app and the New York Red Bulls app as well. We've got a good one for you today. We'll kick it off with Red Bull midfielder Alex Wheel. We will work our way into our second segment with a Red Bull goalkeeper, Ryan Mara. back here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network getting set for episode number seven of our Players Only podcast called Kicking It. We will start it off here with Alex Wheel, who's good enough to give us some time as we come to you from a whole nother country. We are down here in Mexico in the middle of Champion League uh, preparation. Um, Alex, as, as I say hello to you and want to start with this one right off the get-go. Alex Wheel, I went through an entire season of not using that as your last name, which was one of the most interesting things I've ever had as a broadcaster. Someone go through an entire year and then walking back into the next year, nope, that's not it anymore. We're going with a new direction. Um, just just take us through how that, how that all went through and that process. Yeah, I don't really know how it went through, but you know, my whole life people have been mispronouncing my last name, so I stopped really uh, correcting them because it's not worth it. Um, but yeah, I think that eventually they kind of got it right, which is, is nice, I guess. Um, even me, when I say it, sometimes I'll say it incorrectly because I just, I've heard it so much like that. But uh, yeah, it's wheel. So it's nice that people are putting in the effort and, and trying to get it right. Going through that whole year, you know, I know from a, from a family connection, um, who was it in your family that maybe said, wait a minute, Alex, you got to tell these guys, this isn't right. They keep saying mule. And it's not Mule, it's Mule. Who, who, who jumped on that bandwagon and made you kind of make that switch? Yeah, apparently it was my, my grandmother from my mom's side. So it's not even her last name, but she, uh, I guess she, she's the one who listened to it most. See, I don't hear it because I don't really listen to the, I'm playing the game, so I don't hear what the announcers are saying. But um, I think she had to hear it all the time and it was, it was frustrating for her. So she got them to do it. She's that type of woman as well. So I'm obviously very thankful for her trying to, trying to advocate on my behalf, but uh, yeah, either way for me. Think about your your journey overall. You know, you, you came out of Georgetown after a couple of years. You signed your homegrown contract right at the end of 2015. Uh, and then as you get yourself up and going right away, you're kind of able to establish a role uh, with this team in, in your first year. I mean, you, you started 18 games as an MLS rookie. And now as you start what is your fourth year as a major league soccer player, does it seem like it was yesterday or does it seem like it was a long time ago? Yeah, no, I mean, that's the weird thing is, is a lot of it does feel like it, it flies by and it was yesterday. You don't feel that different of a person. But then at the same time, you have so many experiences in that time that uh, that you do realize you are, you are, you know, you have grown and you have become a different person and, and you're in a different stage of your life. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, it does feel like yesterday. It's, it's weird that, that this is already year four because I remember year one when it was all so new it was like you know every day felt like a long time and now they start to just string together and, and you forget uh you know you you don't notice time passes quick so yeah it's been an interesting ride 
you know, as, as I look through some of the games that you've been involved with, and we're recording down in, in Mexico, getting set for the second leg of the Champions League with Santos, you know, you, you've been involved in a lot of these Champions League games. You've had those experience where you've played last year in Mexico. You've played uh, in other countries. What's it like for, I'll say, an American-born player who then has to make the trip to a place like Tijuana last year, to Guadalajara last year, expecting a great atmosphere in, in Santos. Those types of games, um, I would think in a way, almost help you learn a lot more about yourself because you're outside your comfort zone and you're in a completely different environment. Yeah, I think you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about your team. Uh, I think a lot of ways also you just learn about how different soccer is all over the world. And, and there just seems to be a different like language of soccer. Players from, from different countries, they have things that they value. The w when they play and they have things that they're really good at that you you know maybe wouldn't even think you know about and uh they're they're very savvy in a lot of ways and they have they just have kind of a different you know fluency in the game and it's really interesting to see how that matches up against you and and also try and take little things from that and, and try and learn from it because there really are so many different ways to play the game and ways to be effective and and different countries seem like they they value those different ways so it's fun and last year for an example making the deep run into the semifinals uh, and then having a record-breaking regular season during Major League Soccer. Um, could you make the argument, and I, I think a lot of people have said this, that run in the Champions League really did help you guys become a better team during the regular season in MLS? Yeah, I mean, it can't hurt, right? Obviously, when you have more experience playing against quality opposition in tough situations and knockout-type games, it's going to prepare you for, for playoffs and also just the regular season. But, you know, obviously you can also say, is it the chicken or the egg? Did that make us really good or were we just really good and made it pretty deep in the, you know, I think it's it's both of them. It's, it's, it's probably a little bit of both, you know. So when you're down in an away place like Mexico or earlier around Dominican Republic or even last year, you guys come in a couple of days before, you know, the game set for a Tuesday, you usually come in a couple of days before. So there's a lot of downtime that takes place, a good solid, I'd say, almost 48 hours between when you land and you actually play the game um what's a player do to try and fill that space not necessarily alex wheel but just any of the guys what what do you do to kind of fill that time because it's not like you're not running to the gym to go work out you're not going out partying in, in mexico or in the dominican republic how does a player kind of focus in on those 48 hours to get himself ready for a match um i don't know i think it kind of becomes routine when you've done it enough uh, you know, you just hang out in the hotel, you read, you watch TV, you watch movies, you hang out with your teammates. Uh, you don't really leave the hotel much, which I think is kind of a shame, but it also makes sense because it's a business trip. Um, and when the priority of what you're doing is to play a game, that's, that's what you're here. And you don't want to be, you know, wasting energy or, or, you know, focusing on anything else besides the game. So while, you know, people always ask me, oh, you get to go to all these great places. No, I don't really get to see them. I see them hotels in these great places, but um, yeah, no, you just, you're just focusing on the game because at, at the end of the day, as much fun as you might have here, it's not going to feel good at all if you don't get a result. And the best feeling you can get is to get a result here and get out of here. Long plane ride yesterday. And then, as you said, the time here today, you mentioned catching up on TV, catching on movies, uh, things like that. How's Alex Mouille fill his time with road trips? What, what are you catching up on? Because you've got the time, obviously, between a couple of long plane flights and a couple of long days in the hotel. What, what are you catching up with TV-wise, movie-wise? Um, 
not much. I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm just watching different shows. I'm getting back into Seinfeld, so I'm watching, I'm going through the Seinfeld series, but I got to find a better way to watch it because I keep spending 20 bucks on each season and it doesn't seem like the best deal. Um, what else? I got a book I'm reading right now that a friend gave to me, so I'm, I'm giving that a shot. And then uh, hanging out with Ryan because Ryan's been out of uh, commission for a couple, you know, a couple trips. We haven't been able to catch up, so it's been nice to, to have him back as my roommate and just talk about things, see what's going on with him, and, and just spend time talking. Ryan, of course, being Ryan Mara. Um, so when he wasn't on the trip, you didn't have a room to yourself. Um, Is there a fill-in roommate that <laughs> took place down in the Dominican Republic? Yeah, there was. Um, well, in preseason, I had it to myself, and then someone got the entire team sick, some staff member who I'm not going to name. And then they had to move someone who had a sick roommate into my room. So that was, you know, obviously I don't care, but it's not as nice as having a room to yourself. But uh, then in Dominican Republic, I had Omir Fernandez, who's a great roommate. Shout out to Omir. Um, and, yeah, now I think that's the – no, in Columbus I was with Aaron Long, which was not a great experience either. But uh, we worked on some crosswords together. That was a, It was a struggle being with Aaron a little bit? Yeah, he's just a lot to, to handle, I think, which anyone will tell you. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll probably dig into that at some point with some of the other guys that we have on. Uh, you're listening, of course, to our Players Only podcast, kicking it here on the New York Red Bulls radio network, spending some time here with Alex Muell. Um All right, Alex, so your answer there, I, I want to follow up on a couple things. You had a room to yourself. Do you keep that to yourself? Do you Are you like, – like, listen, no one has to know about this because I would imagine if word spreads – that Alex has a room to himself, you're going to get a knock on the door from a Bradley Wright Phillips, a Luis, saying, okay, you know, we, we know that you're a veteran and you've been here for a little while, but I've got seniority. I'll take the, I'll take the room to myself. Yeah, no, it's not like that at all. Um, I, think that, I think that, first of all, those guys have roommates that they like to be with. You know, I think you get, to a nice, you get into a nice rhythm with your roommate, which, you know, at a certain point, when I had my room to myself, I was, ho I was wishing Ryan was there. Not, you know, I mean, it's more like, all right, if I'm not going to have Ryan as a roommate, I want nobody. But if I could choose to have Ryan there or have nobody, I would choose to have Ryan because, you know, you have a nice rhythm. You guys talk about things. You hang out. Um, so that's – yeah, I don't think those guys would ever come and knock on my door. But when, when someone gets put in your room because their roommate's sick, which is not their fault at all, obviously, you, you know, I was put with Janos, who's a really nice guy, and it was a good situation because, you know, he's a good guy and we had similar, you know, sleeping habits – but um, it's not. It's never as nice as having a room to yourself. Being put with a stranger versus someone, you know. So you kind of have that in your back of your head. But besides that, it was cool. I'm gonna Sorry, let you. Honest. I'm gonna let you think on this a little bit because I'm sure at some point during the course of the regular season we'll have you. We'll have you back on. You you're on the verge of breaking a major scandal with whoever the staff member was that got everybody sick. You don't want to say now, but I'm hoping that maybe. It's going to stew inside of you for the next time that when you come on, we're going to we'll, we'll, we're going to hit that subject back again. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many people know this staff member, but yeah, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit uh, bitter about it for sure. A couple months later, you have not let go of it, which is OK. No, I still don't want to shake his hand when I see him because I'm afraid, you know, residual <laughs> flu. Which is okay. Uh, you mentioned Omir Fernandez, who, who filled in for Ryan on one of your trips. Um, we spoke to him in one of our earlier episodes. And some of the other guys, like a Derek, a Sean Davis, a Connor Laid, all guys that we've had on. Um, I always ask this question because I think it's, it's unique that there's so many homegrown guys on the roster. And always want to get into the relationships maybe that you guys have that could be different from everybody else on the team. Because 
I've kind of said this to some of the other guys. It's almost like your own club in a way. You, you're the homegrown guys that reside on the roster here for the New York Red Bulls. Yeah. Um, well, the interesting thing about it is, like, I never knew Omir. He's so much younger than me. Uh, same, with, same way I never knew Ben Mines before he came because they're just so much younger. And I never knew Sean Davis before I was here because he was so much older than me. You know, so there's enough divide that you don't really – the only homegrowns I knew that are still here are, are Derek – and I guess, well, not Tyler anymore. But I didn't actually know Tyler, actually. But I had, you know, I had been, like, kind of around him. But, um, yeah, so it's it's interesting. But in that way, yeah, you kind of know that what they're experiencing, what they're going through, you know, signing their first professional contract with their club. So in that way, yeah, you you know kind of what their, their mind frame is and what their, what, their, uh, what their journey and path has been. But, no, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you're necessarily closer than anyone else that you that you've known on the team for a couple of years. As you look back at your career getting to this point, uh, I think a couple of things that um, to me jump out and going back, you know, now in your in the start of your fourth year as a professional, this was Alex Muel, who was a U.S. men's youth national player uh, who had great success within the academy, who won a national championship with the U16s, with the U18s, with Red Bull, um, who captained the U.S. Uh, men's national team, the U-17s in France. How, how much of that do you still think about? How much of it do you still reflect on at all? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, You know, day-to-day, -day, probably not much, but I think when you stop and, and think back and, and try and, uh, I don't know, you kind of you kind of try and hit all the highlights and, and think about what your journey has been um, and all the, you know, ups and downs and little good moments and bad moments and, and firsts and, and all that. It's just when you become a professional, it kind of feels like its own, its own, it's the beginning of a new journey. And you kind of, sometimes you just think back to starting as a professional, but there's been an entire lifetime before that, you know, most of my life, I wasn't a professional. So yeah, no, it's a great question. I think that a lot of the times, uh, you forget about the, the, the before and, uh, yeah, thinking back through that is it always gives you a lot of confidence and it gives you a lot of, I don't know, kind of just nostalgia couple more minutes with uh, Alex Muel before we'll take a break and get into our second segment. Um, thinking of the connection now with the academy that you have, uh, how often do you walk across the complex and check in and see what's going on within that building, interactions that you still have with some of the younger guys that are trying to be the next Alex Muel, trying to be the next Tyler Adams, the next Derek Etienne, the next Sean Davis? Yeah, no, not not as much as I'd like to. I think uh, sometimes these guys will, will get invited to come, you know, if we need extra numbers or if they're doing well, I think they'll get rewarded and, and be allowed to train with the first team, and that's always fun. But, yeah, like I said, I don't really know anyone in the academy anymore. I just know some coaches. And, and so whenever I'll see those guys, it's always really nice because they've, they've known me since I'm a kid, and I'm sure they have a – they have a lot of love and, and a lot of uh, insight that other people won't have because they've seen me since I was so much younger. But um, yeah, I don't I don't spend too much time at the academy. I kind of wish we we did a little bit more of that. But you know, three goals, five assists uh, last year, um, Alex, in the in the games that you played in during the course of the regular season. Do you go into a year like 2019 where you've now established yourself as a veteran on this team? Um, I'm I'm sure the team has goals, but what about from an individual perspective? Do, does everyone? come up with their own kind of set of this is what I hope to accomplish during the course of the year? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone does because if you don't, then uh, you have no way to really measure yourself, you know, your growth throughout a year. So I think you want to set goals and uh, everyone I'm sure is coming with their own for sure. Um, as you look back at what you've been able to accomplish in the first three years, anything that you would, would, would change, anything that you would do different from even going back to 
signing your home gun contract when you did after a couple years at Georgetown? Would you ever have thought maybe I should have stayed another year or maybe I should have left a year earlier as you kind of reflect back on it now because you're you're past the point of being a young guy in the league. This is the start of your fourth year. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think about what I could change, but I definitely do think about how, you know, how much I have changed in that time. And, uh, yeah, I think it would be interesting to see if I had left earlier. I would be interested to see what would have happened if I had stayed longer in college. But, um, yeah, I'm really happy with my decision, and we'll see uh, We'll see what happens this year, I guess. Well, looking forward to, to your continued development uh, on the field. Thanks for coming by, giving us a couple minutes. We'll look forward to talking to you um, later on this season. Yeah, thank you. That's Alex Muiel. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get into our second segment. This is the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. You are kicking it with our Players Only Podcast. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. We are back here, second segment of episode number seven of our Players Only Podcast, Kicking It on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. Just spent some time with Alex Muehl, uh, now moving into what I just learned in the last segment, the back end of a roommate edition with goalkeeper Ryan Mara. Ryan, good to see you. Uh, number one, it's good to see you uh, back on the field. I know probably not the start to the year that you would have wanted or anticipated with the, with the knee injury. Um, just a quick check-in on how, how you're feeling. I feel great. Um, yeah, it's not the ideal way to start the year, but um, you know, it was. I had something in my knee bugging me since probably June of last season, so I was able to get through the season. Uh, I felt all right. It was bugging me a bit, but then I was hoping that some rest in the off season would do the job. And then once we got down to Florida, it just it didn't feel right. So I figure go in and get the quick surgery at that point. When we don't really miss too much, but you know, you miss preseason, but you're not missing any uh, too many too many league games or nothing like that. So, got it done, and now I feel great. It's good to be back. Uh, you know, it was only a couple of weeks, but when you're away from the team every day, it feels like a long time. Well, it sounded like your not being around had a real negative impact on Alex. He talked about uh, really missing you, even though he, at one point he said he had a room to himself for a little while. He's had to work some different roommates in and out with some of these other trips, um, and that's probably something – that um, all guys on the team, right? You just get into, and he spoke of it, you get into a rhythm and a routine with guys that you know this is how they're going to be on the road, this is how they're going to act on the road, uh, and you develop kind of a, a, a tight bond and a good relationship. Yeah, I think we've been rooming together now for, I think, two, three seasons now on, on, on pretty much every trip. So, yeah, you develop a, a little bit of a bond. And, you know, I think us, both of us being two New York kids and – um you know, we have a lot in common. We don't take anything too seriously. We're joking around a lot. and um, But we also can get serious when we need to when the game's getting close. So, uh, yeah, you just you fall into a little routine. And, and then, uh, yeah, he was, t he was texting me a lot. I think he really did miss me when, when they were out in Arizona and I was back home. He was talking about, for this trip at least, catching up on some old Seinfeld episodes. Uh, he, he also made mention that he figured he needed to figure a better way to try and watch it rather than drop the money on it for each episode or each season. Are you chipping in with him at all? Or are you just, you, that's on him. He's doing his own thing. You watch your own thing. 
Yeah, nah, we kind of, once in a while I'll bring the Apple TV and we can set some things up on the on the TV in the room. But other than that, he watches what he watches, I watch what I watch, and uh, we kind of stay out of each other's way a little bit. But that it goes back to um, being good roommates, give each other a little space, and then when uh, when the time comes to, you know, joke around or talk about something, you know, it kind of, it just flows. There's no... Uh, there's no awkwardness with the two of us, which is good. You know, Ryan, everybody has um, everybody has their own story, right, of how they've gotten to where they are right now. And as you start this 2019 season, I, I think your story is has always been really interesting to me on so many levels. Number one, local guy. Um, grew up in New York. Played for the Long Island Rough Riders. Uh, drafted by and picked up by New York at the start of your career in 2012. And then just as you're getting set to kind of probably make the next step, you, you suffer a pretty massive injury, you know, going back to the injury thing, um, which probably had to be extremely frustrating for you to think, um, now I'm getting ready to establish myself, and boom, I'm knocked out for a pretty significant amount of time. Yeah. Um, it was kind of just a whirlwind of, of six or eight months or so from uh, – going to the combine in January, then getting drafted. And I mean, I didn't even, I went to Fordham. It was a smaller school and, you know, I had a pretty decent career there, but we were never on the national scale. And, um, you know, I didn't know if anyone, any pro teams were really following me uh, throughout Fordham. So went to the combine, I had a decent combine and, and I was just happy to get drafted. And then obviously the fact that it was New York, like I was, couldn't have been happier, you know? Um, And then from there, kind of going through preseason and, and winning the starting job. I, I mean, I, I just wanted to make the team and forget about trying to start my first season um, and then having some success. And then I think I ended up playing – I pretty much got to the midway point of that season, I think, and my hip was acting up. And I was hoping to just get through the end to the end of the season and then I would have to address it then. But uh, I remember the game up in New England. And I don't know if it was the turf or – you know, I had a couple of collisions in that game, and after after that, I knew I needed to get the surgery, and um, it it really was slowing me down to the point where I wouldn't have been close to 100%. So, got the surgery, and and then that started a long, long rehab. Where, I mean, I think there was times that I didn't know if I was gonna make it back because I had both hips done. Um, it took me a long time to feel like myself again. Um, but I think it's one of those situations you look back on now, it's almost six, was it seven years ago, 2012. And it's kind of one of those things where I look at it as like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think, um, you know, physically I'm better off for it. I didn't realize how much my hips were bothering me until I got them fixed and I felt like a new person. You know, I'd say a year from the surgery, I felt like a, a new person. You know, I, I didn't realize the damage that was in my hips till I got it fixed. And then also mentally to, to go through the probably the lowest low of my career, maybe even my life, and to come out of that and kind of establish myself back in the team a bit. And um, I think it's just made me overall stronger, you know, and it's just as miserable as it was looking back, it was a great experience. So uh, take me from that point until – the start of the 2015 season, which had to be one of the strangest years for you in a way, because here you are 
drafted by the New York Red Bulls, have the injury, uh, rehab your way back, and then you learn at the end of the 2014, kind of that offseason, the start of the 2015 season, you're loaned out to New York City FC. Um, what are you thinking? What's going through your mind when you learn that? Is that, a, is that a good thing? Or are you like, oh, man, what's going on here? I, I just want to be where I, where I feel like I, I belong. Probably a, another difficult time. Yeah, you know, I think I got a um, a bit of stick from the Red Bull fans for that, um, for, you know, switching over the rival in the first season. But for me, it was just at the time when I was making the decision whether to go or not, it was just a huge opportunity for me to potentially be the starter. And I think that's what they brought me there to be. And then I guess it's a bit of the story of my career with some bad timing. I got hurt in preseason. I missed like six or eight weeks. I had uh, the same meniscus surgery that I just had now. Um, in my other knee and it kind of you know it, it allowed an opportunity for for uh, Josh Saunders to come in and, and he solidified himself in the starting spot and it was just kind of an uphill battle for me the whole year then um, but you know I think being a New York kid it's pretty cool that I've got to play on both teams especially for NYCFC in the their original season um, it was a good experience playing at Yankee Stadium was cool you know I've been to probably 50 or so Yankee games in my life. So it was cool, but at the same time, it was, it was so great at the end of that season to come back here. You know, I, Red Bulls, it really is my family. It's, you know, the team that drafted me. And, um, you know, it was great to get back with the guys, and, and I couldn't be happier being here now. Spending some time with Ryan Mara on our Players Only podcast, Kicking It. Enjoyed uh, hearing about the roommate situation with Alex Wheel and now Ryan's kind of journey to where he is right now. And um, Ryan, you know, everybody, again, has those ups, downs. Everybody has those ups and downs. You mentioned it in an answer earlier where you didn't think that um, at one point maybe I'm not coming back from the, from the first injury in 2012. And then when you're loaned in 2015 um, – again just going into the mindset is there ever a thought of I, I don't know how much longer I can do this for how much longer I want to do this for because it's injury loan injury um, the frustration is there I'm sure but then the 2016 maybe you turn a corner a little bit in in a lot of ways because up until this little nagging knee injury that you just got taken care of in the offseason now it's been a, a nice run for you here with this with this current group and with with New York obviously as the Red Bulls yeah, you know, it's funny, actually. Me and Alex were talking about this in the room uh, last night. Uh, once I got back from New York City that year, the following preseason, I guess the 2016 preseason, um, I asked to be traded. And then, you know, it was nothing personal. Obviously, it was, a hard, it was hard for me to even say that, but just for me and my career, like I felt I needed to get somewhere else where I had a better chance at playing. And, you know, a couple things didn't work out. And then I ended up playing that whole season with Red Bull 2, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't thrilled about it at first. You know, I felt like it was a step down for me and going into USL. But looking back on it, it was the best thing to ever happen to me. I got a full season of games. I mean, you look at the roster for most of those games that with Red Bull 2 that year, the amount of guys who have come up into the first team and have, have had huge impacts. You know, look at Aaron Long. He went from USL to – the captain of the national team this past year, Tyler, Derek, um, Flo, Vince, you know, the list goes on. Um, so we had a great team that year, and 
obviously we I think we set some records, won the USL Cup, and just for me personally to get a full season of games, it was great. And I felt I kind of got my my confidence back, and you know I really felt like that's kind of set me up now, with especially within the Red Bull organization. I kind of was able to prove myself again after going a couple years with a couple injuries and. Um, you know, not getting that many chances to get to get an extended run of games, and it was just a great opportunity for me. And you know, I think it's one of the most important years in my career so far. I'm going to ask this question, knowing that it's been asked of you a bunch of times. Um, now you just make that transition from 2016. Now it's the start of the 2019 season. You had the great run of the Open Cup in 17. You had the little stretch last year uh, with Luis. Um, injured and then you picked up a couple of those games but from a competitive standpoint it has to be um, frustrating because everybody wants to play right and and probably the same idea of the backup quarterback on an NFL team Um, you have to wait for your basically your number to be called but for you uh, everybody knows you want to play how difficult is it not knowing when that opportunity is going to come from game to game from season to season in, in a lot of cases yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it sucks at times. You know, it can it can definitely wear on you a bit. You know, training every week, training hard, taking care of yourself, and then not getting too many opportunities. But you know, I, I like to think the opportunities that I've ha- I have gotten, I've made the most of. Um, you know, to step into a game like uh, Atlanta away last year, where. You know, Luis went down with the injury, and for me to step in, and we had a huge re- win on the road, and it kind of reaffirmed to myself that what I've been doing is working. You know, training hard, uh, staying physically and mentally ready. Um, so then, you know, it can be a last-minute call that you get that you're going to get the start, and to be able to come come right in and and you know hold your own and help the team win, I think uh, you know it was great for me personally, and you know. I think all you want to do is come, when you come in, be a guy that wins, that you're on more often than not, you're on the winning side of things. So um, the way I look at it, I try to be, you know, a, as good a teammate as possible, no matter how my situation is going at the time, whether I'm playing or not playing or whatever the case may be, and just train as hard as possible and, and stay ready so then when your time does come, you don't have to you're not scrambling to get ready because you feel ready and you feel confident to step in. I've seen you guys at, at training so many times in, in my now five years with the team. Um, the relationship that you have with, with Luis, even though he's the guy who is ahead of you essentially um, on, on the depth chart, is very good. You guys get along well. You train well together. You push each other. That's kind of that's what it's supposed to be, right? Yeah, I think you know we've been together, right? He got here 2012. Yeah, so pretty much – our whole times at Red Bulls pretty much were together. So we've developed a great working relationship. We get along great off the field as well. And, you know, I think for him, he knows that I'm right there behind him training hard and that he needs to keep his level high. And for me, I look at him, he's he's going to go down as one of the best goalkeepers in MLS history. So I'm trying to just keep up with him every day and every week in training. So I think we kind of – it's unspoken, but – we push each other for sure, and you know I think we're both much better off for it. How about the relationship that you have with Evan Lauro? Because um, 
at some point I'm sure we'll, we'll talk to him. And he's another guy. So he's got not only you, but he has Luis to look up to. Um, and he had to fill in for you. And then when Luis was out, he stepped in essentially for you as the backup role. So to have a third guy kind of in the mix um, that's trying to figure out his own path and his own careers is pretty interesting as well. Yeah, you know, Evan, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think, you know, me and Luis are always trying to give him little bits of encouragement here and there to keep him going and give him little little pointers here and there. But, you know, he's been around. It feels like he's been around for a while now, but he's still only – I think he's 22. So, you know, playing game after game with Red Bull 2 at such a young age is only going to serve him well going forward. And um, and he's got a great work ethic. And I just tell him, I keep telling him, keep your head down, you know, focus on what you can control. And because that's kind of my outlook on things. I try to focus on what I can control. And that for me, that's just working hard and showing up with a good attitude every day. And, you know, I told, I, I try to tell him, if you if you do that, you know, you don't know what the future has in store. And, you know, I think he'll be around for a long time because he's got a lot of quality. You know, um, w- with the time that you've been here and you mentioned Red Bull, too, and it makes me think of Evan as well. Having the opportunity to to go down to Red Bull, too, and pick up a game in, in a case like you uh, where you need it just to stay sharp or for Evan, that's the next step for his kind of development, like it was for you in 2016. It's It, it does really make it a lot easier with the bond and the connection that the teams and the organization has because, um, you know, when you started, there really wasn't the Red Bull 2 to go down and play. If you were a backup guy and you were playing in those old reserve games, it wasn't the best type situation where it is today. Yeah, I mean, those reserve league games were brutal. No one wanted to be there. It wasn't taken seriously at all. It'd be at nine in the morning, the morning after uh, the first team played the night before. So, and there was nothing on the line. USL is great. There's real points on the line, um, and I think all you have to do is look at the guys that we've produced from Red Bull Two. I mean, you go through our our team right now. It's uh, you know I'd say it's almost eight or ten guys that really contribute or have contributed um that have come through and you know I think in years past before we had Red Bull 2 and before USL was really uh flying high like it is now there was just a huge gap where players wouldn't young players who weren't getting first team minutes weren't developing so I think it's been a huge step for us as a club and just for American soccer in general you think about uh for you and, I'm, and I, I know you've been asked this too, and it's probably a, uh, an easy answer for you. If you weren't a soccer player, would you be lining up in, in the FDNY? Would that be what Ryan Mara would be doing? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, I think it's pretty well documented at this point that, you know, my dad's a fireman in the Bronx. My uncle's a fireman in the city. Uh, my grandfather was a fireman in the Bronx years ago. And, you know, I just grew up in the firehouse and – it's a great it's a great way of life it's a great job you meet a ton of great people and you feel fulfilled you're helping people um and i think the biggest testament to it is my dad <coughs> going to work i've never seen him miserable going to work he's actually happy to go to work and i don't think there's too many people that could say that so yeah i'd say i'd, I'd be uh be a fireman for sure as you grew up and and the soccer career kept developing um, not family pressure, but was there anybody who said, well, wait a minute, you, 
don't keep going this way to soccer because we're <laughs> we're expecting you to be part of the of the fire department with New York City or or was it nope keep keep going with soccer as long as you can go yeah no nah, I never felt any pressure with that from my family I never felt any pressure and know looking back on it I'm so lucky to feel my parents never pushed me they supported me and encouraged me but I think they saw I put enough pressure on myself when it came to soccer and trying to trying to really make it so they put no pressure on me um and then you know as the draft was getting closer I didn't feel too nervous or anything because if my one dream of playing pro soccer didn't work out my other dream was being a fireman in the city and you had a so, pretty good in yeah 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 that helped <laughs> I had some connections um so yeah either way I would have been happy Ryan, I appreciate you coming by and giving us some time um, on this on this podcast. It's it's great to hear everybody's story. And as I started talking to you, um, your, yours I think is so interesting because it's had so many ups and downs during the course of it. Um, look forward to talking to you again during the course of the of the rest of the regular season. Again, thanks for coming by. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. That is Ryan Mara. We thank him for his time. We thank Alex Wheel for his time. We thank Gordon Stevenson for his fantastic technical assistance. For all of us here, at the New York Red Bulls Radio Network. I'm Matt Harmon. We'll see you next time on Players Only, kicking it here on the New York Red Bulls Radio Network.